And one of you's gonna have to ask me what I've been reading. Because one of you's fucking hell. One of you's kids. <laughs> Look at him. I know, right? I was fucking over. one of you's. One of you's. <laughs> One of the two of you. Disgusted! Oh, back to the BBC. Oh dear. <laughs> Hello, this is the Shipping Forecast. For all your dad voice, for all your. What's up, Wastelanders? This is J Dog Bow Wow. And you're listening to TSF. That's the Shipping Forecast, in case you forgot. And here's me with the shipping. Joining me is Mad Dog Grace. Fucking shut up. And Big Iron on his neck. I thought I was the only one excited to do Fallout. Well, it looked like you were having fun doing impressions. I figured, I figured I'd join in. Well, yeah, of course, but you know, Three Dog is not the best uh, Wasteland DJ. Of course, oh, that honor. Really? We're gonna get pedantic. Not even three minutes in. Yeah, because a minute yeah, in go on, even. Go on, Captain Pedantry. Who's the best Fallout DJ, then? The best Fallout DJ is Mr. New Vegas, reminding no, you not. that you fucked me up, you twat. Yeah. <laughs> the best Wasteland DJ is Mr. New Vegas, reminding you that you are nobody until somebody loves you, and that somebody is me. Oh. That's why well, he's the best. I, don't, I have no idea what's going on, but that's the... That Next is quoting sweet. one of the other DJs in the Fallout games. Yes. Oh, I thought it was a it was one of the new releases in the chart. He's an actual, but... he's Mr. Las Vegas in real life as well. Yeah, he is. Yeah. It's like an actual oh. radio DJ in Las Vegas. Oh right. They got so much right in that game. They carried so much stuff over from real life. That's alarming. What's the Super Mutant Radio in New Vegas? Oh, Tabitha. That's who I was thinking of when you said, oh, I know who the best one is. Yeah, okay, granted. Yeah, Black Mountain Radio is fucking ace. <laughs> Black Mountain, that's the one. Yeah, yeah. I do like Black Mountain Radio. I don't think I could do a convincing impression of a Super Mutant. Then again, didn't do a convincing one of Three Dog. So, <laughs> it's, it'll do. I mean, I always knew it was you. It was a good effort, to be fair. I, If I'd remembered Black Mountain Radio at the time when I was planning this... <laughs> I would have done that one instead. This is not a good precedent. We're not doing this for everything, I should probably say. Yeah, yeah, so you're getting it's spoiled. It's something that Fallout has very distinctive styles that we can rip off. Yes, you're but... getting spoiled, these episodes, dear listener. Yeah. Yeah. We'll be back to our usual fucking trash quality next week. That's it. We're going to have to redo Doctor Who at some point, and we could do, you know, the really cheesy starts of Doctor Who... When uh, someone gets murdered and they scream and then it goes... Oh, that's... Dun, 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 dun. Was... Yeah, we could do that. <laughs> I was kind of hoping to do the theme tune a cappella. That, that yeah, oh, no, really we'll be happen. doing the theme tune a cappella as well. Yeah. I'm not buying the rights to Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> God, I, I could do a lot better, though. And I hear they're looking for a showrunner. So, uh, yeah. Chinball, if you're listening to this... First of all, I apologise for calling you Chinball. <laughs> Second of all, I think I'd do a decent job. Um, if you uh, would like James from the Shipping Forecast to uh, be the next showrunner for Doctor Who, uh, please write in. Yeah, write in to, first of all, the Forecast at gmail.com, but also the BBC. Yes. And we can start a campaign. It'll be great. It, it will, actually. Especially if, uh, if me and Grace can go on as companions. What? Yeah, sure. <laughs> I'm not spending my days running around the place and shit. I'll level with you. I'm casting Matt Berry as the Doctor. Can you just right, play... Right out the you, bat. Can you just put me as the villain so I don't have to, like, yeah, run Grace... anywhere? And I can just stand there on the th- or sit on the throne and be smarmy while I get... Fine. I go, no! <laughs> as I get liquidised or we'll something. We'll put Grace in a dialogue. That's exactly what I was yeah. going to say. Like, step one, <laughs> make me the Doctor Who showrunner. Grace can be chief Dalek operator. And... I can Nick, be... I'm sure we can find you a Cyberman. I thing. can be Matt Lucas's understudy. Sure. Yeah, I'll bring. Okay. <laughs> Here are my demands as showrunner of Doctor Who. Bring back Matt Lucas. Cast Matt Berry as the Doctor. Call it Matt and Matt. And <laughs> just just take a moment to picture Matt Berry as the Doctor. It's perfect. Yeah, it would it would be pretty good. I think. Who's Matt Berry? He's an actor. He's got a pretentious voice. I want him as the Doctor. Yeah, I I would like that. And yeah, we'll get Grace as a villain somehow. (laughs) 
Okay, write a half-decent Doctor Who script. How hard can it be? Well, you like Doctor Who, so it can't be that good. I don't like Doctor Who, so I could probably write a good one. That's how it works. Cool. Okay, me and Grace will be joint showrunners, and... Hang on, this is shit banter, because it's got nothing to do with Fallout. Yeah, so just, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Just, no. Oh, we're just stroking oh. our own ah. egos here. Objection. What? Okay, Fallout 2, you can find the TARDIS. Yes, you can. That is... That is such a stretch. Come on. How is that a Pathetic. stretch? <laughs> it is a stretch. It is a stretch. I'm looping us back either way. <laughs> Maybe Mate. it's because oh. we're having a fallout about Doctor Who at the minute. Aha! <laughs> Grace is not impressed. Safe. No. I can feel the waves of contempt throwing, flowing <laughs> through my headset right now. <laughs> I would apologise, but I wouldn't mean it. Nick, do you want to ask me what I've been reading so we can get away from this <laughs> medicine glare? Jim, what have you been reading this past I'm glad weeks? you asked. I'm glad you asked. <laughs> <laughs> so, I started reading... It's a series of fics, actually. Yeah. It's called Valentine and Vimes. And I say started because at the time of recording, it is uh, 700,000 words long. Wow, that's dedication. Ah. Which is roughly ten Harry Potter books. Ooh. It's a lot. <laughs> I don't know how that's a metric, because the Harry Potter books got bigger towards the end. I know, right? I didn't think that metric through. <laughs> Hang on, I've got a different metric. It's roughly 700,000 words. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's a pretty good metric, considering it's written on the top of a fic. It is almost as long as the Bible. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> if they write 70,000 more words, they've caught up with the Bible, which was several people over a long time. And they started this in 2020, so... That's kind of prolific. Yeah, yeah. I'm very impressed with it. That's, yeah, people so, have convictions in their fandoms. I should have mentioned, this is by two authors. One of them is called Slyjinx, and the other one I'm going to apologise to. I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce that name. Um, would you like me to have a go? Go on, give it a go. At least spell it out. Okay, it is Aliatist. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll I'll link the fic for you guys. Yeah, you can attempt to pronounce this author's name. Right, but it's it's Slyjinx, and I'm gonna say Ale for the time being. My apologies. Let's it's a very hard a name. Iliactase. There's a lot of vowels, and my mouth just doesn't know what to do. Iliactase. Yeah, I can, I can kind of yeah. see that, but yeah. Exactly. Grace, do you want to give it a go? Aliya. See? It's a tough one. Just you wait. There'll be some other long name I'll be able to pull out my ass, and you'll be like, what the <laughs> fuck? Like, you where were you that? keeping that? <laughs> yeah. Surely that hurt. This is where uh, <laughs> this is where Grace starts using a lot of long words to make her seem more photosynthesis. Say <laughs> <laughs> photosynthesis. Yes. <laughs> oh, no. Well played. So anyway, this fic is a crossover with the Discworld universe. Oh. And our main protagonist is. I'm going to introduce him briefly because we haven't spoken about him in the previous episode. The main protagonist is a man named Samuel Vimes, who is the chief of police in the city of Ankh-Morpork, the main city where the Discworld novels are set. Ah, nice! He is... So Terry Pratchett described him as resembling Pete Postlethwaite. Who? I personally think, and this is probably going to be a more internationally recognised name, I reckon Christopher Eccleston would be a fantastic casting choice for Sam Vimes, if they ever made a live-action Discworld about the guards, which they haven't ever done, and I don't think they ever will. So this starts in the Discworld universe, in the magical land of Ankh-Morpork. Mm -hmm. And Sam Vimes, as the Duke of Ankh, as he now is, goes to a party at the Unseen University's High Energy Building. Now, the High Energy Building is a place of strange magic. It's where wizards do a lot of experimenting and crazy shit. Oh, okay. So he goes to a party there, and they're demonstrating a... They are testing something they call simulated reality. 
Ah, that's how we end up in that universe. Mm-hmm. So they've built... In fact, you'll notice there's a drawing here, if you scroll down, of the simulated reality helmet that people have been testing out. Oh, wow, okay. And there's a bit of art through this as we go. And to cut a long story short, Vimes puts the helmet on, and he is transported to the Fallout universe. He wakes up at the start of Fallout 4 in the cryopod, and yeah... He gets to look over, see his wife be killed, and his baby taken away by a mysterious figure. Did this just get turned into Bioshock Infinite? Yeah, kind of. Like I don't know, I'm getting vibes. Never mind. He's, it Go starts on. in a steampunk setting and it gets transported away. Yeah, I can kind of see Bioshock. Oh, okay. But um, yeah, he puts on the helmet and he gets whisked. Instead of going into like a virtual reality like we'd see it, he disappears from this party. And everyone's like, what? And then they carry on because shit happens in Ankh Warfare and the entire university. <laughs> um, well, Lord Vatnari is at this party and he is understandably. Lord, what? Lord I thought Vatnari. you said something Lisa else. Futanari. I was like, bloody fuck. Lord Futanari is a very <laughs> different person and I don't believe that. I mean, probably she, if it's Futanari. Yeah, she, she would be Lady Futanari. Lady Futanari. <laughs> maybe that's Vatnari. Maybe that's we never meet Vatnari's wife, I don't think. Oh, well, so, yeah. Or not in any of the books that I've read, assuming he even has a wife. But <laughs> if Lord Vatnari's wife is Lady Fudanari... <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe there's more maybe to her than meets, meets the eye. Yeah. <laughs> About six inches I'll have, <laughs> I'll have to do some more research on that. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, Vatnari, oh. understandably annoyed that his chief of police has just vanished into the abyss. Yeah. A, he confronts one of the wizards... So the wizard says, well, um, it says, I am the head of inadvisably applied magic. <laughs> and the patrician just doesn't look amused. Like, ah, it's truth in advertising. <laughs> Amazing. And that leads me to something else I want to talk about with this fic. They have nailed the Pratchett writing style and absolute props to them for that. There's just so many lines here that read like the very unique style that Terry Pratchett has. I'm going to find one here. It's just a quote from Sam Vimes. So this is a fancy dress party, for context. Yeah. Viscount Skater was dressed up as quite possibly the worst thing in the world, a royal vampire. <laughs> one was a bloodsucker upon the common man, and the other was undead. Vimes' <laughs> right eye twitched. <laughs> it's it's be... just littered with stuff like that. I can see that, like, the one Pratchett book I have read, I just haven't got around to reading any more, was the one about Sam Vimes, and the title escapes me. So um, there are many about Sam Vimes chronicling his rise through the ranks of the guards. Oh, right, okay. Um, I'll have to see if I can find it for you later, but how I sort of read it was um, Terry Pratchett is basically fantasy Douglas Adams, and it appealed immensely to me. Yes. I've seen a lot of comparisons between the two of them. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. I don't know why I haven't read any more of it, because, you know... My favourite book. I'll give you a reading guide. list sometime soon. Yes, thank you. More about Sam Vimes. He was he was pretty good. Anyhow, Vimes is transported into a cold, unforgiving, weird, clinical almost kind of place. Yeah. He's in. It's the um, it's the chamber from Vault One Eleven where you get cryogenically frozen. Ah, yes, yeah. And he wanders around a bit. This more or less goes the style of Fallout Four. But he finds he finds himself wearing this weird, like tight blue jumpsuit, and he picks up this miniature computer thing that he doesn't quite understand. Mm. Uh, he kills some cockroaches. Rad roaches. They're actually called magically mutated insects that could sometimes be found in areas around the, the unseen university, or sometimes called fountain buggies. Okay, is how Vimes interprets what they are. Oh, fair enough. They translate a lot of the language, because this is all from Vime's perspective. Yeah. And he has no idea what's going on. There's talk about the Red Menace, which seems to be a calcuminous anti-Agatean sentiment. Then Vime's found a skeleton of what seems to be a dead wizard. So he sees scientists as wizards, all that kind of thing. This looks really enjoyable to read. I mean, um, I have a feeling that I may have to read this myself if I get time. I think step one is read Terry Pratchett, so you appreciate the references. Yeah, fair enough. Then step two, more Fallout. Yes, <laughs> always more Fallout. So he runs into a golem as well, and which is, of course, Codsworth. 
And he's kind of confused. Like, some of the words Codsworth is saying doesn't make sense to him. Like, Codsworth mentions the Earth. The golem said the Earth. Like, a sensible being would say the disc. What? (laughs) (laughs) What's going on? And he sort of... Yeah, he sort of gradually adapts to the situation as he's up there. Hmm. Oh, I should mention, he is definitely very sad about the fact his wife has died. Because he sees... He sees his wife die in the other part, like you do in the Fallout games. Ah, yeah. Yeah, that was explained. He believes that is the truth as to what has happened. And that will come up later. So I will point out, one of my favourite lines is here. This is from when he's in the vault and he's sort of searching. He's sort of gathering up equipment, like you do in the game. He searched the body, ultimately concluding that the man had been murdered, likely by the mutinying vault staff. God... He couldn't exit one building without finding multiple murders. People frequently depressed Sam Vimes, though they did not surprise him. Very true to life. Excellent. Yes. Which is very, like, on-brand for Sam Vimes. <laughs> like, depressed, not surprised. Yeah. Very true yes. to life. Which is very, like, on-brand for Sam Vimes. <laughs> depressed, not surprised. Yeah. That's the um, that that's the impression I got from the Pratchett novels or novel. So I can't find the exact line, but he concludes that while he was while he had the uh, the virtual reality game playing, the wizards just got out of hand at this party and sparked a new magic war that destroyed the disc, <laughs> and uh, that's what he's wandering around in right now. I've... He hasn't figured out that this is the game. He's just like oh. The wizards, the wizards finally snapped. It, maybe it was over football. He doesn't know. Either way, <laughs> it got out of hand, and the wizards destroyed the disc. Yeah, I found it. That seems likely, <laughs> to be honest. I found it. Yeah, uh, he wondered why. Maybe the bugger up university sorts had defeated unseen university at a game of foot the ball. Couches had been burned, tensions had flared, and yes, indeed, Sam Bimes thought that those bastards, those maniacs, had blown it all up. Yeah, so, that's exactly it. I'm, I'm guessing that's where he has his sort of Planet of the Apes moment. Yeah, like, you, yeah. <laughs> you bloody wizards. <laughs> Damn you all to hell! Or the Discworld, Discworld equivalent of hell, anyway. I think it might be hell. I can't remember. Oh, right, okay. Since I've read them. <laughs> so, I'm going to cut ahead to when... So, this, as far as I can tell, this fic follows the entire plot of Fallout 4. Yeah, by the looks of things. The bit I'm skimming through now where he just meets everybody's favourite radiant quest giver, Preston Mm -hmm. Garvey. Yeah, the Preston bits were really funny. So he thinks Preston's an idiot. He is an idiot. Like, really. So Sam, (laughs) he's kind of baffled that everyone he fights, he kills. Because normally as a policeman, he hits them with the truncheon and he knocks them out. Yeah. But he just sort of murders everyone, because that's all you can do in a Fallout game. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Well, Fallout 4 is, anyway. So he's walked (laughs) up to Preston, just covered in blood, expecting to be arrested. And Preston's like, hey, yes, we can use your help. Get up to the minigun and do these things. (laughs) Here, man, I've I've never met before. And Sam just looks and goes, you bloody lunatic. (laughs) (laughs) Which I really liked. I mean, yeah, it's kind of a thing. It's like, Oh, a man I've never met before. Here, have some power armor and a fucking minigun. On that note, there's one other bit I'd like to quote. So, when he gets to the roof, he sees the minigun. says, Swallowing his distaste, he grabbed the minigun, whose name was a plain, bald-faced lie. There was nothing mini about this gun. (laughs) It was, at the very least, a macro gun. (laughs) That's always bugged me, to be honest, that miniguns are called miniguns, because they're normally like the big two-handed things. Yeah, no idea why they call them that, but there must Ah, be a reason. Here's the bit I was thinking of, if you'll humour me. Once he picked up the minigun, Vimes tromped back to Preston and tried to get him to take the armour and the minigun and go do his fabled hero duties. (laughs) What Preston said upon seeing Vimes in the power armour was, though, Well, alright, maybe our luck's finally turning around. Once you, that power armor, and that minigun show up outside, the raiders will know they picked the wrong fight. Good luck. (laughs) Vimes stared at him wordlessly. He was a random man off the street and covered in blood that wasn't his own. (laughs) He looked like the sort of person that he had arrested for a living. Preston was trusting him to save the people Preston was protecting. And Preston was a fool, and fools were not to be trusted with magic armor and miniguns. Mini his (laughs) arse. Fools, however, still deserve to live. 
If saving these cowering people from their young leader's trusting naivety was the job in front of Vimes this morning, then fine. <laughs> I like him, he just gets on with it. Yeah, he's yeah. just like, these people are bloody stupid, but... Time to save them from themselves. Yes, that's, that's exactly, exactly how is. Vimes is in the Discworld. He's the one rational man surrounded by sheer insanity. <laughs> And um, just has to deal. He's grown up traumatized by all of this stuff. It's driven him to drink. Oh, and... I honestly can't wait to see what happens when he gets made general of the Minutemen. So that presumably happens in this fic, but I don't actually know. I only got to him leading them back to Sanctuary, and sorry, no, I got as far as them going to Diamond City, <laughs> and he has these sad monologues about how he, uh, how he's murdered so many people today. And that's kind of doing a number on him. Because he's not a soldier, he's a policeman. But I suppose that's kind of the thing in, in all the Fallout games. It's like, right, get out the vault and you just become like a one-man killing machine. Exactly. So... Oh, a bit like Breath in the Wild. Yeah, oh, you'd like... Oh, you won't like Fallout because it's first person. But it's very similar to Breath of the Wild in that premise. So that fic covers all the plot of Fallout. And that's when it gets weird. Right, okay. Because there's actually 18 works in this collection, and only the first one is the plot of Fallout 4. Because at the end of that one, Vimes finds a way to bring the people of the Fallout universe to the disc. Oh! So... Including his new husband, Nick Valentine. His new husband. Yes. <laughs> Assuming his wife is dead, he <laughs> remarries. And that leads to some awkward conversations. Oh no. <laughs> and yeah, so there's 18 fix in this. I'm just going to read one of the synopses because that's all I really know about some of these, but I'm very impressed with what I've read. Yeah. Just how they've worked Fallout into this universe. When radium, often used in troll drugs, was extracted from pitch blend, the leftover was something that the people of the disc called uselessium, <laughs> a worthless metal that was typically discarded. Some years ago, Leonard of Worm studied Uslesium, fascinated by some of the properties that he thought may be useful in mining. Uh. The dwarves knew that Pitchblend and its byproducts carried with it a sort of invisible curse, one that caused a slow, wasting sickness, and they called this sickening glow that couldn't be seen without a scintillator the radiant dark. Oh, so they've discovered radiation. Leonard had dismissed this as superstition, but he still had his samples. So, yeah, radiation has existed on the disc, and now people from Fallout have come over, and they now know how to use Uslesium, which to make bombs. is presumably uranium. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. So that sounds interesting. It's all kicking off. Mm. And the other one I actually read, because this is the thing, this is the shipping forecast. We're here for shipping, and as such, I decided to read the one called Valentine and Vimes, Red, Yellow, Green. Yeah, I've just sort of watched that. So this one has two tags that were interesting. One is porn with plot, and one is porn with civil engineering. <laughs> oh, what? Yeah. I'm sorry, what? How? So this fic focuses on the new... With civil engineering. As opposed to uncivil engineering. <laughs> yeah. I... You know what? Knowing the disc, uncivil engineering is probably a thing. Um, that's what the town planners of the 60s and 70s practiced. Exactly. In, in Britain, because all the buildings mm. from that point look like shit. Yep. So, this fic is about the relationship that now has to exist. Because this is the thing. Vimes' wife, Sybil, she's alive. She was back home on the desk the entire time. Of course. Sam thought she was dead and remarried Nick Valentine, the detective robot. And I'm very curious about reading sort of how that goes. But He's essentially just bought her a sex machine. No, he has a sex machine. Yeah. And she just kind of watches, essentially. What? Oh. Yeah. Okie doke. I suppose he's not married to her, is he? Yeah, Nick Valentine is not married to Sybil. Vimes is married to two people. But it seems to work, because they're all very busy people. Sam is busy being the Duke of Ankh and the Chief of Police. Sybil, the Duchess of Ankh, has dragons to raise. And What does Valentine the Machine do? Oh, he joins the police. Right. <laughs> oh, fair enough. Oh, there's a lot of discussion, actually, about what everyone does. Uh, hang on, let me find it. Codsworth works for the Vimes family. 
Uh, oh, it's nice Dima. that you brought Dima. I don't know who back. Dima is. I think Dima. That's yeah. Um, D I M A. Yeah, Dima is the synth that you meet in the DLC Far Harbor. Ah. Uh, basically, I did not play the DLC. Oh, play Far Harbor. It's fucking ace. It's better. Eventually, than, I will. It's a, It's got a better plot and better decisions than the base game. It's fantastic. That's reassuring. Um, but yeah, Dima has basically. He was another Gen One synth like Valentine. Okay. He has gone to Far Harbor and set up a refuge for synths in an old observatory where they could just sort of live in peace and and harmony and everything like that. Well, you know. he has joined the Unseen University. Hey, yeah, that makes sense. So he's becoming a wizard. Yeah, that definitely Piper makes sense. Piper and Nat have joined the Ankh Morpork Times. Deacon now works for the Golem Trust. Okay. Codsworth uh, now works for the Vimes family. Strong has joined the Watch, which sounds amazing. <laughs> and uh, Preston has become a guard for the Clax Network. Now, the Clax is like an elaborate version of uh, Telegrams. Yeah. Oh, excellent. I've seen that uh, film adaptation. Oh, Going Postal was a very oh, good yeah. film. And, yeah, that goes into all the clacks. Mm. So this fic covers their sexual relationship. <laughs> and I won't go into this too much. I think, go read this yourselves. What I do like is how awkward they've made the sex. Because this is the thing. Pratchett doesn't write much sex in his books, if any. Okay. But I feel like the stuff he does adds sort of a comedy awkwardness to it. <laughs> Alright, okay. And they have managed that yeah. quite nicely. So so how their relationship works currently is Sam alternates beds, essentially. <laughs> with Some nights he's right. sleeping with Nick, some nights he's sleeping with Sybil. Fair enough. And does he, does... one night Sybil asks if she can watch. Sorry. What I was, was going to say, um, so you're telling me that some night, does he tell them or does like Sybil just lie there and go... I, think I guess they've I've, got I've a just, rotor. Oh, they've got a rotor. Oh, it sounds like they have a rotor oh set God. up. <laughs> yeah, because Sybil mentions, oh, tomorrow I've got him. So <laughs> it sounds like they've arranged some kind of power sharing agreement. Fuck's sake. <laughs> and yeah. Yeah, this is really impressive. Mm. How they've built this sort of universe in amongst two universes. Yeah, I'm very impressed. Yeah. But I do like that they've managed to do period-appropriate homophobia, but not in a way that's offensive. Oh, okay. How do you mean? So, one day, Sybil asks if she can come and watch Nick and Sam do their thing. And um, Nick moved down between Sam's legs and grasped his half-hard shaft. He sealed his lips around the crown. Sybil scolded. Sam, you can't do that to the poor man. Sam gave Sybil a strange look. Sybil sniffed. It's degrading! <laughs> Sam asked Nick, worried. Do you feel degraded, Nick? Nick reluctantly took his mouth off Sam's cock. No. <laughs> it's that sort of thing. Like, she's very sort of snooty and old-fashioned about it. Like, that's, that's not what two men should be doing. And they just kind of, uh... So Sybil is a very old-fashioned woman as well. Like, she's a... She's a duchess. Okay. I think mean, it sort of fits Sybil's personality. Do you think that's homophobia or just her being sort of like, it should only be missionary? Yeah, homophobia is <laughs> the wrong word. So she she didn't even think it would be missionary, if we read later on. Oh. She insists only frotting is acceptable in this situation. Because <laughs> anything else is emasculating. Oh, right. Fucking hell. Yeah. I can guess it doesn't feel emasculating. No, they were both into it. In fact, they've both been doing that for a while. Often they swap places, so <laughs> neither of them sound like they're emasculated. And, but yeah, neither of them were unimpressed. But, um, sorry, I just noticed another line I have to read. Sam describes a... So they're describing what can and can't be done, and he goes, What? You mean like a Huggleston's rub off the seamstress's five pence menu, Sam blurted. <laughs> What is that? Which, it's a great fake euphemism. Yeah. <laughs> the Huggleston's rub of the seamstress's five pence menu. <laughs> I um, I did also find something called Mrs. Proust's Gentleman's Emollient, which made me laugh as well. <laughs> which is lube, basically. 
Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this is, it's very Pratchett, and in fact, they even do the footnotes like Pratchett does in this chapter. I don't know if that continues to be a thing throughout this, but yeah, it made me laugh. <laughs> but that's all I read of this, because I didn't have a lot of time. And I take it you're going to continue it because it's the best. I'll continue reading this because this is the closest thing I'll get to another Discworld book. Fair enough. That's high praise. That is high praise indeed. Yeah. All right. And actually, on a vaguely related (laughs) tangent, uh, Good Omen Season 2 was announced. Oh, no. What do you mean, oh, no? Yeah, that that was my thought because I personally didn't think that Neil Gaiman, talented writer. I don't think he could do the Pratchett half on good, his own. Uh, good Omens does not need a sequel. Yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was so, perfect, wasn't it? If really? Neil Gaiman needs a second writer who can do the Pratchett style very yes. well. Yeah, employ these two people. Get, get these all, two authors these in, because they've nailed that style. And if they can provide that half, Neil Gaiman can do whatever he did last time. Yeah, and then we Ta-da. won't end up with um, a lackluster... American Gods. Yes. Okay. <sighs> American Gods, was it? that went downhill mm. fast. Okay. A lot of potential. But yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed what I've seen. I look forward to reading yeah, more. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> I, uh, the bits mm-hmm. are skimmed. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed. So I think if I have time, I'll go back and read this. Grace. Sorry, uh, Nick. What have you been reading? (laughs) I'm the one. I'm the one without hair. You know what? Wildcard, baby. Grace, what have you been reading? (laughs) I've been reading nothing. Over to you, Nick. Thanks, thanks, Grace. And now, Nick. Nick, what have you been reading? Oh, amazing! Like literally, we're the two easiest people to tell apart. Yeah, we are very different. There's a lot of height difference. There's I can't a lot see of hair either difference. of you. Yes. There's a lot of regional accent difference. There's a lot of gender difference, I think, as well. There, there is. Yes. Yeah. Come on, James, uh, get well. it together. You're like the no. you're the person who's like a cross between the both of us. Exactly. That's why. Yeah, kind you kind of are. Yeah. That might, that's why it's so hard to tell the two of you apart. <laughs> what? <laughs> Don't think about it. It'll oh, make it worse. Oh dear. Um, so Nick, tell me what you've been reading. Yeah, I'll dig us out of this fucking hole then, shall I? Good, um, thank you. Right, okay, so I've been reading something called Fallout 4 Goose Game Redux by Databytes. Hey. It's our very own favourite Untitled Goose Game, uh, Goose. It stars the Goose from Untitled Goose Game, obviously. Okay. Uh, the Soul Survivor from Fallout. Preston Garvey and other character tags to be added because this isn't mm-hmm. finished yet. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, it's a crossover, if that wasn't immediately obvious, and it closely follows the plot of the first few hours of Fallout. Okay. As it says in the summary, it's a beautiful day in the Commonwealth, and you are a horrible goose. Or, in which Nate is the sole human survivor of Vault 111, but not the sole survivor, period. Uh-huh. So you will notice there's only four chapters in this, 2,000 words, but as I've said, it's not finished, and I really do hope that the author is updating this or thinking about updating this because I really enjoyed this. Um, it's written in the form of a to-do list. Hey, true to the game. Exactly. So anybody who's familiar with the Untitled Goose game, you get objectives and all of them involve you being a horrible goose. Yep. Okay, so it starts with the goose waking up. Uh, To-do list, wake up. This one's a freebie. You don't have to do anything to complete it. One moment you are not awake, the next you are. Somewhere an objective gets crossed off a list. This objective... Very meta. Yep. So basically, the sole survivor finds the goose in a chilly nest, probably in one of the cryopods in Bolt 111. Uh, He picks the goose up. Goose isn't having any of it and decides to flap and honk. Mm -hmm. You know, sole survivor sort of yelps (laughs) and... Drops the goose and you escape, feeling very proud of yourself as you speed away. Very brave of him to pick up a fucking goose, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Does he not know what a goose is? I know this is um, what sort of confused me. It's like in the uh, the Fallout games before the bombs drop. Um, do they not have geese over in America? They got them in Canada, which is close enough. Well, yeah, but a Canada goose is not the same. If you've got a problem with a Canada goose, you've got a problem with me, and I suggest you let that marinate. 
Some people will find that funny. <laughs> right. uh, this must be how people feel when I tell train jokes. <laughs> um, anyway. So one thing I do have to wonder is how this goose got into the cryopods. It isn't... Because I, I see two options here. Trying to fulfill a mission. <laughs> Escape the bombs. <laughs> Option A, a scientist took pity on this goose. Yeah. And decided, I'm just going to put you in this cryopod. We will save the geese. Yeah. Option two, this goose harassed someone who was supposed to be in this cryopod, honked and hissed and got rid of them, and then got in themselves, and that person had to survive in the nuclear wasteland. Um, option three. Uh, option three, the goose was put there by Vault-Tec to fuck things up. Oh, yeah. yeah and that... that's my headcanon, I'm afraid. <laughs> okay, yeah, that sounds fun. Okay, then the goose ends up Going into the wasteland, there's the... Oh, uh... you skipped a bit. I I like here. You meet an insect that is much too large. Yes, he gets into the <laughs> wasteland and comes across what we can sort of assume is a bloatfly, which is an insect is much too large. Oh, I thought that was the radroach in the... Um... Uh, it, could, it could have been, in yeah. It could have been. But um, when, uh, when the goose hisses at this uh, radroach or bloatfly, whichever, it hisses back. And the following tussle is a riot of limbs and beaks and flying feathers. It's broken up by a loud bang, at which point the insect flops over. Oh, he's been rescued. Yeah, he's been rescued. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, rather than look about to see who fired the shot, this goose just decides to fucking strut around the corpse like, yeah, I, I got the better of you. <laughs> it was all me, this. I meant to fucking do that, you know. And he notices that the, uh, the human is back. And oh. um, after a quick situational analysis, geese are good at those apparently, you decide that maybe you misjudged it at first, so you honk at it. <laughs> well, I guess it's just you and me, Ducky. Yep. Then the goose takes exception to the hand being offered and pecks at it and snaps it. You know, snaps the beak, the beak at the fingers. Uh, you go to leave the vault. The human starts walking down the hall and you waddle behind it, pleased to have asserted your dominance. <laughs> <laughs> I want to play this game. Can someone who knows how to mod make this happen, please? I have an idea. Okay. If they did, can they make it a prequel to Fallout? What? As in, oh, well, the duck destroys the world. Yeah, the goose destroys the, the world. The goose ends up starting a nuclear conflict between America and China. Yeah, <laughs> I'd play that. And destroys the world, yes. So, uh, we're on to chapter two now. They have made it to Sanctuary Hills, and one of the options on the uh, to-do list is make the robot butler scream. You say option, it's going to happen. Well, yeah, of this course is, it's going to happen. This is mandatory. Yeah, this is a horrible goose, so mm-hmm. yeah, it is going to happen. Yeah, they, uh, they meet Codsworth, and the, he rushes about making all sorts of noises, but none of them are honked, so you absolutely do not care about them. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, turns out that your... Um, you know, you're a bit annoyed with the human um, because it's good at killing bugs, but terribly annoying when it comes to exploring. Um, it keeps trying to take things away from you, shouting things like, hey, give that back. And you don't have the fingers to use a pit boy. <laughs> so, you know, you know, trying to accumulate shiny objects. Yeah. And be the protagonist, by the looks of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. He is the protagonist, damn it. Well, he's the pro- protagonist of this story. That's good enough for me. Yeah. But he needs his own. He needs a full Fallout game. Yes, he does. Yes, absolutely. So anyway, uh, the way that the goose makes the robot butler scream is... Oh, yeah. (laughs) Sorry, I was reading down. Yes, exactly. He decides to take all the cutlery out of the cutlery drawer and throw them on the floor. And of course, uh, anybody who's played the game uh, knows that uh, Codsworth is sort of quite house proud. He's been trying to keep this, uh, this house tidy for 200 years... All of a sudden, Goose fucking wanders in, doesn't give a shit, yanks the cutlery drawer up, open, throws all the family silverware on the floor. I can't say I've ever <laughs> tried that in a Fallout game, and I'm curious what happens now. I know, I know. If there were cutlery drawers in Sanctuary, then I'd, I'd try it. Mm. <laughs> but the line that strikes fear into me is this foolish human yeah. going, Anyway, Codsworth, if the duck wants a knife... I think we're going to have to let him keep it. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. yeah. That's it. Peace was never an option. No. Yeah, peace was never an option. I mean, um, 
Codsworth is absolutely mortified. I can only assume this human's going to get stabbed soon, because he keeps calling this goose a duck. No, no, the the goose is really pleased with it, uh, with this human. You know, what a useful human. It seems to be fending off the robot in your defence. You're so glad you brought it with you. Ah, In fact, you're pleased enough that you allow it and the robot to gather up most of the cutlery back into the drawers. You still keep the best one, of course. Your human deserves a reward, sure, but a goose has standards. <laughs> Perfect. So, yeah, and that's sort of the first in, in Sanctuary. And that's nice. Chapter 2. Um, chapter 3 opens with the uh, two objectives, inventory management and companion management. So the goose is wondering why the, uh, the human spends an inordinate amount of time uh, inside his old house. Um, he finds it quite boring, you know, the humans wandering around, staring at the broken crib, uh, listening to recordings of other human voices, and quite frankly, the goose just has better things to do than observe as this Agreed. human grieves over the loss of his wife and child. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I skipped that bit in the game. That's, that's fair enough, I suppose. Like, uh, most of them, they were like, oh yeah, we're off, we're not going to fuck about with this. I'll be honest, I did not get attached to that baby. No, I didn't either. Mainly because it looked like it was made of plastic. I mean, the whole plot of Fallout 4 is fucking garbage, really. Mm. But um, it's, it's good to wander around and explore. So for Grace's reference, start of the game, you're playing happy families with your wife or husband, if that's what you're into. Yep. And this <laughs> if you're a straight is... woman, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have to have a husband or a wife and a baby. Yes. Okay. And fall out. And this is what the baby looks like. And everyone's just acting like a... Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah. It doesn't have any legs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone around you is sort of like, oh, protect this baby. And the it's whole plot of the game mouth. is like, you've got to find this baby. And it it doesn't have a shadow. I was convinced the plot twist of the game was going to be Murdering. your baby was a robot all along. Yes. <laughs> and it wasn't. That wasn't the plot twist. No, it no, wasn't. It absolutely graphics. wasn't. Yeah. No, everyone else looked quite good, to be yeah. honest. Yeah, to be fair. What happened with this child? And then the child just looks wrong. <laughs> Do you know... I mean, to be fair, all babies look a bit wrong, but, like, hormones lie to you, don't they? <laughs> if you're the parents, anyway. Like, if you're a relative, you're looking at it going, Jesus Christ. Yeah. You know the expression only a mother can love? Like, oh, fucking... Well, that's exactly what that's Sean that from Fallout 4 yes. is exactly... Absolutely. So, yeah... I spent the whole game thinking the plot twist was you were never supposed to be attached to this baby. And then it turned out, no. That was your child? You were supposed to be attached to this baby that you end up killing at the end of the game. Anyway, what? let's move on. You end up killing the baby? Yeah. yeah. Um, through a long and convoluted... He's a bastard. <laughs> yeah, he, t- he turns out to be a bastard. <laughs> okay, Nick, what happens in the rest of this fic? Oh, dear. Um, yeah, we're near the, we're near the end now of our... Uh, sort of skewering of this fucking masterpiece. But anyway, um, they're off to Concord, which is one of the first uh, sort of places where you where you go after you've finished with uh, Sanctuary Hills. Um, and of course, one of the first uh, objectives is go on a museum tour. Okay. okay. Um, because, of course, that's where you go um, to rendezvous with Preston Garvey and your sort of first group of settlers which set up in Sanctuary. Spoiler alert, mm-hmm. by the way. That was in the trailer, it doesn't count as a spoiler. <laughs> of course, I suppose. Okay, so, yep, you're off to Concord, and you're getting a bit pissed off with your human because he's not helping you sort of navigate the, uh, the you know, ruined buildings. Your human's far d- too distracted by the other humans in the distance. Maybe it's because they're shooting at each other. <laughs> <laughs> of course. And... Um, it turns out that all this time, this uh, the sole survivor has been trying to sneak up on these the group of humans that have been uh, shooting at each other, and okay. the goose is just like, "No, nah, I'm just going to honk and flap," <clears throat> and um, basically, fear me, bandit. Yep, <laughs> let everybody know where you are. <laughs> so, um, yeah, they come upon a security gate, and. Um, you know, they, uh, of course, everybody knows in, in the Fallout universe, you can pick locks with bobby pins and things like that. Um, 
But where are the bobby pins, you may ask? It turns out that the goose has the bobby pins. Of course. You nick them about half a moment after the human grabbed them because they looked interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. You... Sorry, I can't help but notice experience emotional growth is the next objective. Yep, I'm coming to that. I am absolutely coming to that. Experience emotional growth. Yes. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you give your human the bobby pins, but you expect them back after he's finished. But you are quite, uh, quite proud. You know, you, you shed a metaphorical tear of pride. Your humans finally breaking and entering. They grow up so fast. <laughs> finally breaking Okay, so emotional growth. Um, what happens next is they are plunged into the middle of a gunfight between the, um, the remainder of the Minutemen and the group of raiders which you encounter. And... The goose is a little bit, not scared, because of course geese don't get scared, but you might be a bit cautious. So anyway, the goose has found somewhere to cower and hide where all this is going on. Um, you know, it's Aww. not um, not a good situation that the goose wants to find itself in, and he's like, no, nope, I'm, I'm just going to go hide somewhere and cower. So after, it, after it's all over, um, he finds out that the human's looking for him, you know. Hey, where are you, boy? Here, ducky, ducky, ducky. The goose realises that um, he might not hate this human so much after all. Aww. Yeah. Aww. It's looking for you. No one has ever come looking for you before. Come on, it's all safe now. <laughs> the big lizard thing is dead. So. Oh, yeah, of course. It's that scene. Yeah. So, yep, you hop out of your hiding place, honking softly to get your human's attention as you waddle in his direction. And they do the whole, you know, you running up to each other and hugging and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, that's where that objective ends. That's that objective ticked off the list. Because your human fought the big lizard and didn't die. What a good boy. So, my only beef with this fix so far is the goose has not murdered anyone. I... And that's really kind of what I was expecting from this. I can imagine that will come. Oh, I hope so. Because, yeah, we're, we're not there anyway. Um, the next objective is take a minute. Because, of course, he's meeting them. Oh, yeah, I get it. Yeah, he's meeting Preston Garvey. Okay. So, here we go. Preston appears out of nowhere. That's the friend you had to find before you could go. He has the sole survivor. And the goose is displeased by this. He whips his head around, ready to ready to hiss and flap and things like that. Because the goose and its human were having a moment. And Preston's blundered up and he interrupted that there. How dare he... But uh, your ire eases when you lay eyes upon one of the most beautiful sights you've ever seen. Oh god, what is it? So, while um, while Preston and the sole survivor are talking, it turns out you've seen Preston's hat. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Preston does have a nice hat. So, basically, you wait while they talk, you see your opportunity, and, uh, yep, you steal and waddle away with Preston's hat. Perfect. You <laughs> honk around the hat brim clutched in your mouth and flap your wings with vigour, staring up a triumphant cloud of dust. <laughs> and this just finishes Brilliant. with the notes at the bottom saying, the goose is a minute man now. <laughs> Good. I think find a way to get him one of those laser rifles. <laughs> I, I want him to end up as the general. Yeah, I really do. I want to see this goose just chaos throughout the land. Yeah, I want the Minutemen to be run by a horrible goose. <laughs> but yeah, it's early days, a lot of potential here. I hope they carry it on. Absolutely. It was, if this makes sense, it was written in the style I would expect it to be written in, if you know what I mean. That's yeah. bigger praise than it sounds like just by the words. Of, of course well. it is. Of course mm-hmm. it is. It's, um, it captures the feel of uh, Untitled Goose Game really well, I think, the, the way it's written. So mm-hmm. I enjoyed, I um, laughed out loud a few times, uh, and I would you like lulled, to see... as the kids say. I did, I lolled, um, I lolled hard. But yeah, I, I want to see this uh, updated and finished, because um, I, I think they've really got something here. Mm-hmm. So... Oh, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Top, keep it up, Data Bytes. Yep, top notch, keep it up. So, Grace, uh, what have you been reading? Okay, this is He Looks Great, I Look a Mess by Bren Nivin. Oh, okay. Now, okay. Okay, so the summary for this, some 
dumb crack ship I made up with my BF that ended up turning into a genuine thing I like. It's a bit long because I got into these two as a comedy duo. They such a perfect funny man straight man combo that I got all carried away. Fourth wall, never heard of her. Right, Hang so on. this This is what? Deadpool. Yes. And Joshua Graham. Oh yes. yes. Stern faced Joshua Graham. And Deadpool and with, fucking with Deadpool. the king of memes for better and for worse. Deadpool. Yes. Amazing. Oh boy. I yes. reckon we're in for a wild fucking ride here. Yeah. Right. Tags. Medical procedures. Bandages, scars, meat cute, teleportation, crack, breaking a fourth wall, blowjobs, Joshua is needy and angsty, Wade is a hoe, what's new, insecurity, yeah. two old violent men feeling bad about themselves, yay, comfort sex and post canon. <laughs> and this is part okay. five of a work. Ah. But is separate to everything else. Yeah. You're so, nobody yeah. till somebody loves you. Yeah, these all look to be standalone. Yeah, look at looking at it. Um Oh wow, okay. So is there anything about Joshua Graham that you can shed some light on before I get into this? Because I don't know. A he lot about is him. a brooding edgelord of a man. Uh, he uh, used to be a member of Caesar's Legion. He used to be one of Caesar's legates. Mm-hmm. Yeah, was... he was like top badass lieutenant. Yeah, second in command. Until one one day he failed at a mission. And as punishment, they set him on fire and kicked him off. I think it was the Hoover Dam. Oh, right. They chucked him into the Grand Canyon because, of course, the mission that Grand he fucked Canyon. up that was, was the first battle of Hoover Dam. Of course, yeah. Um, they failed to take so they him from the MCR. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They kick him into the Grand Canyon, and he survived covered in scars and everything else. The tribes in the Grand Canyon call him the Burned Man, because he's just disfigured. Ah, well that fits in with what I've been reading mm-hmm. about him here. He's sort of become this sort of half-mythical figure. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. Because uh, people in the Legion are sort of not entirely sure uh, if the legends are true or not about the Burned Man. Oh, okay. So they, the way they portray him for... This is a a reasonable comparison. He reminds me of Guts from Berserk in terms of how they portray him. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, that's even better. With and now he's shagging with... Deadpool. Yes. And now he's <laughs> shagging Deadpool. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Christ. Okay, this makes it even better. But, okay, so... <laughs> we begin with Joshua travelling through the desert. He finds a shack that's in relatively good nick. Like... You know, the light bulb works and it has running water for some reason. I'm surprised anywhere has running water in this universe, to be honest. Like, you need people to run running water. Am I getting too hooked over the running water? I probably <laughs> it's, am. It's, it's more fine. likely than you think. You can drink out of toilets in the Fallout games. <laughs> and you can just keep drinking out of them. So that sort of implies the sewer system is working. Okay. So he's in the middle of nowhere. He apparently he had left sorrows and dead horses. Those are two tribes that in the area he lives in. Ah, uh, okay. It was his first proper night's sleep since he had left those. Okay. And they go to war. So, oh, <laughs> nice. So he t- he tidies up this they? little shack he's found no. and starts removing his armor and folding it up neatly as he gets ready to. Getting get all moody over his past while he changes his bandages. So mm-hmm. he's washing his uh, very heavily scarred skin and redressing, redressing them absolutely butt naked in the shack. When a damn dude, you look almost as bad as I do, comes from the fucking shadows of the shack. <laughs> right? Perfect. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. So. Naturally, Joshua grabs his point forty-five and fires a hole through whoever just said it. <laughs> followed by, hey, that hurt. <laughs> Hang on, let the cat out. Go on, then. Oh, yeah. Uh, right. So he had shot this guy in the lungs. So how the hell was he up and about? It was a bit weird, but hey, of course, it's going to be a bit weird when... A character from another franchise skips on over mm-hmm. to watch you undress because it's Deadpool, ladies and gents. 
Oh, Wait, God. is that you saying that, or is that him saying that? No, that's me saying that. Oh, okay. It's just, it's just, yeah. Deadpool steps out of the shadow, and it's just like, oh my God, it's Deadpool. If you didn't read the tag, it's like, oh my <laughs> Christ. It's um, he does tend to obliterate the fourth wall. I mean, um, yeah. I just, sorry, I just. Yeah, that's noticed. what I'm liking about this. They are like going in on that. There's a line here. Uh. Yeah, I bamfed here, you see. It's all very complicated law stuff, to be honest. I wouldn't take the word count too far, since the author's not exactly bathing in free time. So yeah, he's saying, don't think about it. Don't think about how I got here. It's all complex yeah. law stuff. Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, this one. Ooh, what a low and husky voice you've got. You must be a real fan favourite with such a sexy voice performance. Yeah. And yeah, Joshua yeah. Graham absolutely is. Mm-hmm. So yeah, shout out to Keith Shara Baker, who is known as Billy Baker in Andre and Cromwell Wait, in what? Time Cop. You're welcome. The voice actor. Ah, okay. The voice actor. I did not know the voice actor was in one of my all-time favorite time travel cop films. Yeah, but usually he's a creepy, like uh, alien character or villain in a in a kids show and stuff like that. Uh-huh. Or multiple voices. Yeah, I actually looked up some cinematography. Yeah, you did extra homework. Fuck you, I did. I did I'm the homework impressed. that didn't matter. Hey, You're welcome. I'm glad to hear that <laughs> trivia. It always matters. Has anyone else seen Andre? No? No, okay. no, I don't think so. Oh, it's about some little American child who like finds a seal. <laughs> Fair enough. And... Yeah, I watched it loads of times when I was younger. Alright, okay. Bit weird. Yeah, bootleg VHS bitches. <laughs> right, Sorry. okay. So he bumps his way in. He's he's crossed. Let's see, what does it say? I, yeah, I mean, I came here because I've got some personal shit going on. I need to unwind, so I figured killing some radioactive giant bugs in the desert might cheer me up. So he came here on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds very good. Somehow he fucking came here on purpose. I mean, it's not like the Marvel Universe is any safer. No, I know, I know, he could have done this in his own universe. <laughs> and like, oh, I, I picked this shack to rest off in and then I heard you coming and I kind of hid on instinct. Sorry about that, except for a neat, meat, cute scene there. And it's just, like, this has all happened. And, like, if I was in Joshua's position, I'd just come in a fucking butt naked in the middle of this room and some guy in, like, a red jumpsuit is just chatting shit to me. Oh, I don't know I'd, <laughs> if I'd be able to just sit down with a bottle of scotch, but all right. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Either way, Joshua politely just declines the scotch and goes some water, and and Wade's like, oh, yeah, all right, it would be pretty lazy if the author just got us drunk anyway. That's an overused trope, <laughs> and he's totally used that before. No use getting lazy, shall you? Can do better than that. Make use of that writing qualification you slaved your way for in college, champ. <laughs> <laughs> to whom are you talking, Wade? Ah, oh, sorry, never mind. It's nothing. <laughs> Fuck's sake. Uh, do, so do he's aware that. he's in a fan fiction. Yes. Well. <laughs> of course, he's aware he's in a fan fiction. Yeah. You are Fuck's captivating, sake. and I'm not just saying that to move this fic along. Yeah. <laughs> Your voice is like butter. I could listen to you for hours, and I really hope your voice actor gets paid real well for it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh fuck man. That. Yeah. Oh, God, there's a lot of that. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, the poor guy doesn't really know how to take this at the moment, but, like, it's been a long time, so he's not going to say no, especially with all the attention he's getting. He was like, I could treat you right, Josh, if that's what you want. <laughs> <He's> like, uh... <laughs> Wait, if you desire intimacy with me, I, then I am willing. God, I love how you talk, Josh. It's <laughs> just like, oh, sake, it's like awkward conversation. Alright, and then sex happens, basically. Nice. Sex happens. Is it, yeah. is it good sex? Uh, I keep laughing just because of of how awkward it is. <laughs> I mean, I mean, like it's written, it's written well, and like it's very descriptive. But because I just can't take anything to do with Deadpool seriously, I can't enjoy it. I, I don't think you meant to. <laughs> mm. Oh, it ends with them spooning basically, and like yeah, that's it. So like, they don't part ways at just this point, but like it ends with Joshua going just. Being exasperated and just goes to sleep. <laughs> I see them arguing about who gets to be the big spoon as well. 
No, Joshua just lets him be the big spoon. Oh, oh wow. That... Yeah. I... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's had a long day. <laughs> Didn't expect that. Yeah, I, I would like to see the um, the adventures of Wade Wilson and Joshua Graham. Yeah, that's a very weird buddy cop dynamic. Yeah, but I'm here for it, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, f- I feel as if they went to... S- they went straight into dysfunctional, like, married couple. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're like, they've only just met, but it's like, okay, we're cool now. Just fucking, it's your turn to do the dishes. <laughs> I'd, I'd watch them living their domestic lifestyle as well, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Like, both keeping their masks on because they're so horribly disfigured. Um, yeah. That sounds weirdly wholesome. It is weirdly wholesome, actually. Mm. That was surprisingly wholesome fit, considering, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Oh, I got Joshua being all sort of like, oh, woe is me, my life's angsty, and then fucking Will, uh, Wade, who has got a lot of angst in his life, but just sort of pushes past it going, oh, it's alright, we can blah 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 blah, I'll just, I'll just chat, 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 Yeah, chat, he has a lot of like, oh, okay. Yeah, he doesn't... He's the least angsty character I can think of. Yeah, exactly. He doesn't harp like he's on He's a solid block of comic relief. Yes, he doesn't harp on he about is. it. Yeah, like he does have like a shitty past. He was like a mercenary and stuff, and then he got dropped, and then he got cancer, and then he tried to get rid of it, and got put into some horrible experiment, mm. and got his powers, and then fucking can't die. Yeah, it's a grim life when you look around at him. Which is, he's out of that's why they he, get He's actually well. insane. He's insane. He's actually insane. He went insane because of everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's not like, oh, God. <laughs> but he's the fun kind of insane. Uh, yeah, absolutely. In the films. He is. Yeah, because if you turned into the Joker, I'd have lost oh, my God. shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, the world doesn't need more no angsty fucking, you know, sort of hero villain type things. Mm-hmm. No, Make yeah. them... if he if he started saying things like you want to know how I got these scars, I'll turn off. Yeah, that's you it. You know what? I'm surprised he hasn't said that in any of the films yet. Yeah, as a joke. But... <laughs> yeah, yeah, as, as like a parody, just taking the piss. I could see them doing that at some point, though. Oh, it's probably happened in the comics. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Everything always happens in the comics. That makes sense. But yeah. Overall, final thoughts. Final thoughts, I really enjoyed it. Like, I didn't know anything about fucking Joshua Graham, but I enjoyed his sort of broodiness <laughs> and the uh, the dynamics between the two, just one being a chatterbox and the other one being a, a complete straight man. Just like... Yeah. Uh, it's a dynamic I like a lot in fan fiction mm. and, like, TV tropes and things, so... It was, yeah. it was very good fun. Yeah. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. Definitely. So, Grace, now you've seen some of the Fallout world, mm. do you plan to continue looking into this, or...? What do you mean? I mean... Do you want to play the games? Uh, my thoughts on Fallout is that I probably didn't give it enough credit, but it's still not enough for me to actually play it. Yeah, that's fair. Because even though I think it sounds really good and well thought out, I can't... It's just... Fucking graphics are shocking. I mean, there are a lot of mods to change the graphics and make them look fancy and different. Why didn't they do that in the first place? often the fans have to fix things. Yes. Which is why fanfiction exists in the first place. To give better endings for things. That's yeah, true. of course, the mods are fix-it-fix for uh, yeah. you know, a lot of the Fallout games. What is a mod if not a way a fan has improved an original fiction? That's true, but they still put Thomas the Tank Engine in Breath of the Wild. And Skyrim. Yeah. Yeah. You can probably put Thomas the Tank Engine... There's probably a fic about Thomas the Tank Engine in Breath of the Wild if we look out there hard enough. <laughs> oh, maybe. There are fics about Maybe that's what we'll look for next time. <laughs> what, Thomas the Tank Thomas Engine? Thomas the Tank Engine in Breath of the Wild. And if anyone out there has seen that, Write in to thefanshippingforecast at gmail.com so that I can read it. Yes, and we would like to know. I, I would kind of like to read that, to be honest. About how a, real, a railway locomotive gets about in a world where there are no railways. Mm-hmm. There are railways in... in oh, okay. Yeah. But yeah. Like uh, a spirit track. <laughs> 
We're not actually covering that next time, probably. <laughs> but maybe later. Maybe in the future. Yes. But in the meantime, uh, I hope you enjoyed us talking about Fallout. It has been a little bit self-indulgent, but I'd like to think we all had fun. Uh, join us next time when we continue being self-indulgent, because to be honest, the three of us pick our topics and we do what we want. Yep. So, listen or not, we're not your mum, but yeah, exactly. please, please listen. Please do continue listening, and if you want to support the show, uh, there are links everywhere on our Tumblr and in the show notes on how to do that. Yeah. It always feels weird sort of plugging, telling people how to support the show. I see every YouTuber doing it, but I, suppose, I guess we're not quite there yet. I suppose you've kind of got a shill for victory, really, haven't you? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, They're in the show notes. You know what to do. Yep. Join us next time. Good night.